Welcome to the QI Chat Room. I'm your host, Max Perret. This podcast is brought to you by the Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We are a network of community health centers in a wellness education nonprofit across Marin, Sonoma, Napa, and Yolo counties in California. We formed in 1994 with a mission to improve access to and the quality of care provided for uninsured and underserved people. We've been hosting these podcasts since the fall of 2019, and we hope you join us as we share the latest in health topics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the QI Chatroom podcast. Uh, this is Max Perret, uh, your host with the Redwood Community Health Coalition. Uh, today, uh, we are joined uh, by a guest host, uh, Sheena McKinley, uh, who is Vice President of Research and Development for Health Leads, who will be in conversation with Karis Grounds, Vice President of Health and Community Impact at 211 San Diego. They'll be speaking about CIEs, community information exchanges, specifically on how to implement them, and what are the key components and day-to-day operations of launching a CIE. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Sheena. Thanks, Max. Uh, Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Karis, for making time to dive into all things CIE today. Um, And so I wanted to center a little bit around the early days of CIE. We've heard a little bit about the origin story, and we would love to hear your perspective as someone who was on the ground from the very beginning, what it actually took for CIE to happen, to become a thing in San Diego. And also in your role, you've been able to see it launch in other places across the country. So what did it take to happen or take place in other uh, counties and cities? Yeah. Hey, Sheena. Um, Thanks for having me as well. Super excited to be here. Um, So I have been, I've been at 201 San Diego for eight years. CAE actually started almost like 11, 10 or 11 years. So it actually started um, before I ever started working at 211. But it, um, but as you heard about the origin story, it really has kind of evolved and and grown over time. It actually um, merged back with 211 about, 211 San Diego about six years ago. And so that really kind of reshaped the way that we were able to engage community-based organizations in a in an authentic way that I think we, we CIE always had intended to be, but it was able to kind of um, create a more shared governance structure in the last six years that really was allowed it to be able to, to transform. I always say like the um, the original notion of the CIE was around data sharing. It wasn't necessarily around, it was really around data sharing to provide better core care coordination. And so that um, in itself has kind of allowed it to be able to like that like end result or that goal was always in mind and so like the bi-directional referral piece and other components of it are important but it wasn't the driver and I think it's allowed it to be more um, commonly stewarded or like shared in a way that has allowed it to really take shape in San Diego um, in a unique way because it was always like a shared structure it was never like owned by one institution or one organization, and because of it, it's been a unique model that I think other people have started to replicate. Um, and to your second question around, like, it's 2-1 San Diego has always been well-known for being a really great 2 in one and we've always been super open to sharing and evolving and 
been innovative. And, and so as other communities kind of started coming to us and being like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, tell us what, what, how it worked, how it didn't work. That's kind of where this national movement has, has grown. Just kind of people coming to us and being like, Hey, we'd like to learn more. Or how did you do this? Or how did you think about this? And then it's kind of snowballed into where we are now, like 11 years later. (laughs) I wonder about that because obviously, and we'll get into the key components of a CIE, but obviously when people first approach you or are are just gathering to start things up, those key components don't necessarily exist yet, right? They're gathering in order to build that out. Uh, What would you say is like, I don't know, if you if you were to say this is the one thing that needs to be in place to even be able to have the conversations about those key components. Like what what does the soil sort of need to be like to be fertile to have these conversations about the key components? Oh, there's a lot. I mean there's a lot in there, but um I mean again, like having it being stewarded by an organization that kind of understands um all the different sectors, I think it's been valuable for us be, being in that role and space, like kind of a neutral convener or like a backbone or collective impact organization, how you might word it. So having it stewarded by an organization that kind of thinks like that and then having a community governance structure that allows for that input, input on a regular basis and that shared kind of ownership piece where we don't ever want to say like we own it. It's kind of like shared ownership. How do we get more organizations to adopt this as if it's their own? Um, has really been our, our mentality from the beginning that, um, that I think is part of that soil. Um, I think also, like, as I mentioned before, like, the, the, our end game has always been, like, community care planning and shared, um, shared infrastructure to, to help people. Like, the, and it has never been about, like, one, I mean, we started as one target population, but the idea would be, like, this would, transform and grow and it's evolved over time and it includes everybody and so that has always been um a a key component that it's not like we were just solving for one thing we were really thinking about like this big collective of of something that and it's not just for one sector one population like how do we think about everybody that has made it so that um everyone has a seat at the table and and it can evolve and grow with any new initiative or any new legislation or the billion things any CBO or community has to deal with every year as new things change and evolve all the time in our world. Yeah, speaking of collective, it's interesting to look back at, you know, the collective that gathered obviously in a very specific place, San Diego County, but then also the collective that's been gathering in wanting these conversations as part of a a national movement. And I remember joining you all for the first CIE summit, just as an example of those conversations coming together, um, even with players and stakeholders outside of San Diego County. And I remember I remember it not even being known at the time that there would be an annual summit. It was sort of like, let's, let's get people together and being there for that first conversation and seeing how it's grown over and across all of the years, the diversity of attendees and speakers and um, even the kinds of themes covered during the summit. And so even just as a, a metaphor or example, right, of the, the summit as an event, how would you say, you know, what the arc of the or the evolution of the movement has been? And if you could tell us a little bit about what prompted you to even hold conversations 
at that national level and um, how you've grown across the years. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that's like, I mean, that's been kind of a journey. We just had our fourth annual CIA summit this last year. Um, and, and again, yeah, we were kind of just, I mean, how it really started was just people coming to us and being like, instead of having one-off conversations, what if we brought people together and started creating more lessons learned? We actually had published a toolkit. The Schultz Family Foundation had funded us to publish a toolkit on, like, the components of the CIA, which I think has been downloaded a lot to be able – that still been leveraged today to be able to kind of build that infrastructure. So it was kind of – we were already playing that role, I think, in – sharing best practices and then we thought like how cool would it be to create this conference that allowed for that to happen and and as you mentioned like a lot of the stuff we covered in the first year was like super focused on technology and like data sharing and healthcare partnerships and kind of like the traditional stuff and it's really evolved and like moved towards like the value of community-led leader like community-led infrastructure um like how do you engage community voice into the process like totally transparent as we've been is like our focus has been a lot on like agency to agency. Like how do you break down silos and data sharing infrastructures, which is super important important, and like, yes, that's part of it, but you have to solve some of the key pieces in order for it to actually work and, or be sustainable. You have to think about some of these other pieces first. And so I think in our most recent summits, we started kind of like, okay, this is the stuff that needs to be in place. This is to your point, like the ground the, the ground infrastructure or the soil that needs to be in place before you can ever start talking about data sharing or ever start talking about um, some of those other pieces. So it's been super fun. And the, and the organizations that are represented um, has also shifted and grown as well. Um, and I think we have a really diverse sector of orgs that come. So that's been really cool too. That's great. Um, and, you know, I think actually this would be a great time to talk about some of those key components because we've alluded to it a little bit already. And so if you could just tell us a little bit about what those core components are and maybe why it's important to think about them all together rather than just uh, walking away focusing only on one of those components. So kind of talking about the key components of a CIE. So, yeah, so I think the, the network partners of, like, the main part of it, what I was just talking about, like, the network partners and the community governance is kind of core to the components, the main core component of the CIE. Um, so we have, like, you know, shared a shared governance infrastructure. We have shared agreements. We have some shared um, elements that allow for us to operate like a like a network of care um, or a, a shared uh, governance model, as I mentioned. We also have uh, what we call shared language, which is really around like how do we um, how do we identify someone's needs um, regardless of where they're accessing services from. So like really thinking about um, ways to think about people and their situations, not just from like a healthcare perspective or a social service perspective, or like even like even in social services, there's like there's housing providers and there's food providers, there's a whole bunch of different sectors, or there's government, there's like a whole bunch of different ways that people operate in providing and, and thinking about the, the care that they provide within the community. And so how do we really create um, language or outcomes that that supports the the individual from from all those different lenses and thinks about people from a continuum or like a growing state versus like a stagnant state, which I feel like most of the way that we think about things is like 
I'm homeless or not homeless or I'm food insecure, not food insecure. And that's like, who, who really operates like that in the real world, real world. So that shared language is part of the infrastructure that we built to be able to kind of communicate it for any individual organization or, com- or company or whoever you're thinking about to be able to think about it from that perspective. Um, we think about bi-directional closed loop referrals, like our resource directory, our shared resource directory, and then the ability to actually coordinate or refer to other organizations within a shared platform and being able to get outcomes and sharing program enrollments, those kind of things that might be the traditional way that people are thought of um, a CIE, but that's, again, one, one component of it. Um, there's, like, the technology platform and the data integration part, so really thinking about, like, an interoperable platform system that integrates data from multiple different sources and is able to, like, almost support um, informed, trauma-informed care by creating proactive, like, coordination that allows for people to, to be able to use the platform in a way that's, like, meaningful and supports their interventions or supports, like, how they're providing person-centered care. Um, and then our end kind of component is really about community care planning. So that's the longitudinal um, client record that really allows for the, the end all is really having organizations work in collaboration with each other and the individual as part of that care team and being able to make choices together and based on whatever that individual needs. And so the community care plan incorporates that longitudinal client record to be able to kind of uh, use that as a way to support people in a, in a more meaningful way. And so those are kind of the five main components that we talk about, but we know that there's like a lot of layers and pieces that can be like pulled apart in each one of those two. Yeah, it's, I mean, clearly there's so much to it, and it's great to just hear the five components. And one of the things, um, there's a lot there that I really appreciate uh, in what you shared. One is obviously that it, it's a partnership with uh, across community-based organizations and agencies, but also a partnership with the person who is most impacted, right, the individual who has a choice and is uh, determining what what resources they want, desire, and need. And then the other piece that really strikes me is this notion that while the platform aspect, some of the, the tools that enable this coordinated care and shared care planning is important and vital, it, it's not the equivalent of what makes a CIE, right? CIE is more than um, simply a singular platform or a singular set of tools. And so I wonder if you could share how you define the role of community in CIE. Um, and you spoke about it a little bit with a network of partners, but what, what does community or community engagement look like in a CIE? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that, I mean, one of the main parts that in a even the summit this year was like the kind of the community led infrastructure for system change. And I think we, we use the word community in a lot of different ways, which is sometimes hard to like pull it apart, but um, community based organizations can be um, are, are a lot of us, right? Everybody might be community based because they're working within their own community. So being able to really define out like nonprofit organizations that are actually providing some of these direct services to clients is part of the voices that aren't in some of these um, cases being brought to the table or part of the decision making that we think about as as a key component of the of that community and then also community members so those impact directly impacted by the services um, that that many of us are providing that need to be at the table and 
And we've and I mentioned that before, but that was something that we were necessarily prioritizing. And I think it's a challenge to be able to kind of think through like how do you truly engage community community members into the into the fold. And we've had we you know we had a lot of feedback sessions. I think in the initial parts, and we've had ways in which we we've, we've brought in community members throughout our process, but not in a intent not in an ongoing and intentional way. And until recently, we've, we've like we created a community voice as part of our shared governance model and then creating an infrastructure in which we are having ongoing conversations about, you know, what does success mean to you? Or like, what is, you know, how do you want to be consented into services? And like, what information do you want to be, to be shared? And like, how do you, how would you interpret this data that we're trying to put out? And so those are ways that we're like thinking about and creating ongoing involved conversations with community members. So they're a part of those discussions. And that's something that is core to CIE for it to actually evolve and change over time. Um, and so I think we're still like learning and figuring that part out. Um, but it's exciting to think about the kind of shift in our focus around that, like what we call mezzo or like the agency to agency connection to like really going to the individual or like the community member in being able to really redesign the way that we're thinking about um, care in a holistic way. Yeah, and I, I still appreciate the just the openness with which you share that, right, that it's not like ever one and done, that even if you have um, a pretty, you know, if, even if you're further along in your journey of integrating community insofar as it means at the organizational level, right, community organizations that um, themselves are representing some of the, the residents and community members um, and the staff, you know, may also be part of that lived experience, that you're also pushing yourself to think about, okay, where are the ways that, that we or you all can integrate um, community members more at the individual level, the family level, as well as at the organization level. And it's interesting to see your journey in just, that continuous pursuit, right, that it's not like, oh, we've got a good, you know, enough <laughs> cohort of people, we're done, right, and, and thinking through all of the pieces um, that come together in terms of representation and governance. And I think, like, one of the things that you've spoken a lot of, or we hear a lot about is just the importance of community governance, and um, sometimes it's, like, equated with or under this much broader umbrella term of community engagement. I think it might be really interesting to hear, you know, from your perspective, what is distinctive about community governance versus sort of like general community engagement, and maybe even an example of where that community governance has made a big difference in the direction of CIE. Yeah, and I, and I think about that, like, like when I try to define um, what a CIE is, we have like a broad definition as we were just kind of going over, which like there's like five key components and blah, blah, blah. But um, like, it's really like a locally led and built infrastructure that supports our like initiatives or collective impact like opportunities or efforts or coordination across our community to really improve the health and wellness of of our own population. So really having it like the emphasis around like locally led or community led, I think that is like one, one component of it, um, of it being a community governance is that we're really deciding the way information is being used or governed, or like we have an ethics 
um, or policy work group that thinks about like, okay, like once you're in the network, like what are the practices you, what are we like decided on a shared inclusion criteria, like who gets included in the network and like, how can they use the information in the network and creating some of those practices that we within our own local community get to decide on like what's best is, is core and key to that. And then again, having representation from all sectors and not, um, and not necessarily allowing for one sector to dominate the way that we're making these decisions, but um, how does it really support our larger community and like the things that we already have in place or how do we leverage what's already working well in our community and not recreate what's, what's not. And I think that's a challenge in any, um, any, any model that's trying to be created. Like we, we do a lot of the same things, you know, like everyone, even though it feels like we're addressing our own, and it's important to address everybody's own target population and sector, but if we can have a shared infrastructure to be able to leverage, it makes, it makes part of that work a lot easier and like that uh, and more efficient. And so being able to really leverage the, it requires ongoing community engagement in that larger infrastructure, but it's key to like, I almost think about it opposite, like our ongoing peer-to-peer learning and like growing and network building and new collective um, initiatives or grants or opportunities within our community kind of make it so it's so special because um, it is so driven by what our local community needs are or new funding opportunities. I mean, that's basically how things work in this country, right? It's like not like federal, even though federal, you know, laws are made, our state or local counties really get to make those decisions. And so why should it be any different with um, social service or human services in addition to health, so. That's great. And, you know, I think it, it makes me, as you were talking about um, the, the flexibility within the structure, right, so that all of the community members um, involved in the stewardship and the accountability of the governance structure can be flexible to, um, to react kind of as, as unanticipated events come up. And then also that there's this constant structure where you can look at data um, and do some proactive planning or testing to go more upstream, right? Really thinking about what are those upstream barriers to connecting to essential resource needs? What are those upstream factors that really affect um, populations and communities and kind of you know, drive um, that if you attended to, you could really advance racial health equity, right? Um, and I think about a lot of the conversations I, I know we've had around the potential for data and shared data to inform improvements at the micro, meso, and macro level. And you sort of mentioned a little bit of each. I wonder if you can explain the differences of those micro, meso, macro levels and some of the um, important things that have come out of the use cases at those levels. Sure, yeah, and like we talk about micro, meso, macro a lot. Um, and I think that's like our framework or value in the sense of like another way of thinking about the long-term impact of what a CIE can do. Um, so when we think about the micro, it's really like the people, the individual, like how do we provide more informed or tailored services based on someone's needs? So like anything from people not having to retell their story again to like agencies be able, instead of asking the person to like take on another burden of reaching out to agencies or giving, you know, your 
making the proactive reach outs to be able to support that individual um, and care gets really coordinated for the individual instead of having them work through all of these different systems or sectors to be able to access information. So that's like the micro individual impact. And so we've seen some like, I mean, of course, the efficiency and coordination of that, just like for an individual being able to like not have to retell their story again, or people being able to like follow up on where else they where they previously accessed services as part of that. We have some like examples within our cohorts of how that's shown, our cohort studies um, to be able to see like where that's impacted like some some indicators, some health outcomes around like the value for for an individual standpoint of of how that has shaped them in accessing care. Um, more from a prevention lens versus a um, utilization lens, I guess. Um, and then we think about it from a mezzo, we're thinking about it more from an agency to agency, like bridging sectors or coordinating care in a more efficient way or being able to like really share that, those, that shared language or outcomes. So the idea that agencies can work more collaboratively together and start sharing information in a more powerful way or start... I, accounting for things that maybe people weren't accounting for or thinking about before. And that, and like, what, I mean, the vision of this could even be like, could, how cool would it be if everything wasn't so first come first serve and accessing services. It was actually about what someone needed versus like a 10 year wait list to access section eight services or whatever that might look like. And so that's where we see the vision of it. But, um, but we've been able to really leverage that even with COVID-19, we saw a lot of use cases of being able to like share knowledge or share information or, you know, we could, we actually at 2 and one saw a bunch of the trends change over time. So it went from like <clears throat> people worried about the virus to people, <clears throat> sorry, from people worried about the virus to people thinking about like people needed food. And we had like one in three callers didn't know how they were going to get food because they didn't want to leave their house. So we started like meal delivery programs and we're able to really support that. So like that, like infrastructure and that stand up and response um, was able to really transform from a meso level. And then from a micro level, it's really the idea of like collective data sets. Like where else are you actually getting like individuals sharing their stories from like a holistic lens and being able to like account for that and know like different zip codes in different areas. And so that is where like, hopefully policy change happens. We, we have a housing policy brief on our website, but um, when we're looking at um, kind of different um, impacts or CIA data that we're looking at around the homeless and like anything from co-occurring social needs to different racial um, disparities or differences within our homeless sector. And so it helps, the hope is that it would help um, organizations, policymakers, states, counties, whoever, like, use the information to make more informed decisions on um, funding or um, infrastructure or requirements for, for some of the different sectors. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there, right? And I, I wish we had, you know, I don't know, more hours, right, to just, type, like, dive into each of those pieces. But even as you were sharing um, the example of housing homelessness and housing uh, instability, and the um, the data informing um, advocacy or action or just better coordinated care. You know, I, I'm thinking about some of the policy opportunities that are emerging. Some of which you named or um, outlined in in the brief, but some of it is is also um, really kind of um, 
coming out now. I'm thinking about the, the recently published article that your team worked on in terms of um, uh, factors that might contribute to homelessness and how um, that could really inform, you know, groups to, to think about um, proactive outreach. And so, yeah, I, I wonder if you have any hopes for sort of like what what's on the horizon, like what's the future of that macro level use case? Um, the, the future is, I mean, I think we're hoping to like do more with our data. I think that's like where, um, you know, that's, that's like, we have a lot of data. We, we can do a lot with it. Now, how do we actually put into, to, to action? I think is, is, I mean, I think that the opportunities are endless. I think, um, the more we can publish or highlight some of the data that we do have or collaborate with different organizations locally or research institutions to be able to kind of highlight some of that work, I think is, is where we're, we're looking towards. I think um, definitely around racial health equity, that's a big, big push for us um, to start thinking about that in a more meaningful way and start using that to, to do more informed um, kind of care or even, you know, how do we kind of flip the way we were thinking about things before. And so I think that we We've done pieces of that in different arenas, but we haven't necessarily um, been super intentional about, like, using that data to really um, highlight or um, create conversations within our community. So I think we're, we're, we're looking for more opportunities to do that and have the intention to, like, have that a part of our um, data reporting and um, we have some dashboards coming out, for example, that will allow for different organizations or our city to be able to start, like, looking at our data from an aggregate standpoint and, like, do some um, narrowing down on our own. And I think that might just be a powerful way to start thinking, like, what do people want? Like, how do people think about this? Like, what does this mean to you? Um, and, like, how do we get community voice into this and have them um, weigh in on what what this information is telling you? So I think we have a lot of places we could potentially go with it. And I know you have um, been working with other collaborators on developing uh, the data equity, or, or maybe it's even broader than data equity, racial health equity framework for CIEs. Um, and, you know, we don't have the time right now to go into the detail of all of the aspects of that framework, but it would be really great to hear just sort of what, what the impetus was for really uh, mapping that out and how that is anticipated to direct, and you kind of hinted at this a little bit, but direct really the future of CIE. Yeah, and I think that's like, I mean, that's a lot of what we've learned from you guys at Health Leads is kind of thinking about the intention around, around our space and work. I think um, there's, we are at a different perspective at CIA San Diego because we've been at this for so long and kind of have seen the differences in some of these spaces. So we have like an interesting pulse on the on the work and are able to, um, uh, and I think the data equity framework kind of came out of that. So we're kind of seeing like where is, or even in our own vulnerabilities or our own issues, like where are we missing the mark? And so there's some key components um, that we've been thinking about, like, as drivers of, like, what makes a CIE or what makes these infrastructures, like, um, be actual CIEs. And so, like, there's actually 11 drivers that we've thought about 
um, that actually encompass like role-based permissions, like who can access your data or like where's the accountability and transparency or like how is, um, how is information shared? Like, do you actually have true ownership of your data? And so like, there's some key components that we've always thought about with the CIE. And then we've, and then I think we've gotten to the point where like a lot of the reasons why you've built these drivers is because of the way it's been designed. And I think we kept going back to this place of like, how is this actually designed? Like who made the decisions on how information should be shared or how role-based information should be set? Like who's at the table and making those decisions? And I think that's where it comes back to your original conversation around like community governance. I think we've been so attuned and involved and led from a lens of like people that are always thinking about advocacy and thinking about people centering the people from the beginning that our infrastructure has allowed for that, but in other settings, that's not necessarily how the table set. And so through this data equity framework, it's basically helping people kind of like realize, well, how did you originally set your table or how is your table set now? And how could you reset your table? And like, we are not in a place of even the top. If you guys look at our framework, like it goes up to a liberating model. We're not even close to that. There's a lot of ways that we're um, built from more of a savior-based design or an ally-based design. There's a, I can't get into it. You guys can, you guys can read more if you're interested. If this is piquing your interest, feel free. We'll send you out a link to be able to read more about this. Um, but that has been really like a new framework of thinking about like how do you move out of the state you're in and move to a more intentional state. And I think that's been 100% in collaboration with Health Leads and helping us like reframe the way that we've um, thought about ourselves or thought about working with others. And so I think it's just a helpful framework for reflection and in hopes to move people towards the future. Yes, and we can definitely, you know, I think one of the great things about great conversations is that it spurs more conversation, right, and more learning and more reading. And um, so hopefully as listeners think about a lot of the issues that you've introduced in topics, it gives um, motivation and inspiration to, you know, to keep pursuing and learning a little bit more. Um, and we, I know we've covered a lot and get, we're just scratching the surface. I wonder if you could also share who you continue to follow like, on socials, who you read or who you watch, um, who you listen to really, right, when it comes to um, your continuous learning and evolution around CIEs and racial health equity and true community partnership. Is there anybody you would just really like to recommend we, we also continue to listen to and read? I mean, I don't, I get, I think I get my sources from a lot of different ways. Um, we were just talking about like the politics. Like I've, um, I don't think, I don't know why, but I like never realized how influential policy was and like everything we do and, and think about um, Daniel Dawes, who works at Morehouse College, um, published a book called The Political Determinants of Health. And there's this like really, even if you don't read the book, like at least there's a, a YouTube video. Um, I think it's like Jessica's story or something. So you can look it up online, but it helps to reframe the way that we're like how much a lot of our decisions are based off of policies that we're not even like aware of, which I thought was a really cool reframing of like thinking about things. So usually those type of books are like helpful for me to, for, for me to be able to like reframe. I mean, Rhea Boyd, who um, who you guys have seen at the at the summit, is amazing. Um, Virginia Eubanks, um, my colleague Roxanne Suarez just read the book Design Justice, 
um, that's really about, like, how do you actually think about community-led practices and, like, where does that, like, frame from? So I haven't read that one, but I know that that's a, that I want to read kind of book. So I think that, like, for me, it's more of, like, little, it's not necessarily I follow, like, one, one person or read one thing, but just, like, trying to keep up on, um, like, new perspectives or reading different perspectives to be able to kind of influence the way that we're, we're growing as a, as a network. So I don't, aside from Ria and Netflix, I don't, I get, I get my information from a lot of places. Yeah, and it's, it's so great that you've even shared, um, the beginning, uh, like sampler of the, the, the many places um, that people have been doing incredible research and speaking out and really outlining and delineating historical and present day um, ramifications of, of like how we're thinking about this and how we're putting um, into practice, you know, things that are, um, you know, hopefully leading to, to more equitable systems and outcomes. So um, I know I have lots more to add to my my reading list and watching list. So I'm, I'm so grateful. And every time we get to chat, I learn something new uh, and and have more things to, to learn about. So I'm really grateful um, for your time today, Karis. And um, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts or a word. Um, no, I think, I think, thank you for, for having us and thank you to Health Leads. I think that you guys are, there's an organization that we also follow just to keep us, um, aware of kind of what's going on in the, in the sector and have been like thought leaders with us from, from the beginning. So appreciate you guys and just excited about the interest, um, for CIE and, you know, we do have a national network and like opportunities to engage. So we always encourage communities that are, thinking about this to kind of join us and learn from us. And we always publish um, tools and resources on an ongoing basis that are just free on our website. So just check those out. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listened. And please are encourage others to start thinking about some of these topics that we've covered and, and share them with uh, people who need to also be listening and thinking about these things. Thank you for joining the QI Chatroom podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners, for joining us today. If you have suggested future topics, please email m-p-e-r-r-e-y at rchc.net. And please follow us, the Redwood Community Health Coalition, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye for now. Till next time on the QI Chatroom.